0: Thank you for downloading this episode of Teacher Staff Room, where we catch you up on the latest evidence, insight and action. I'm Jo Earp. Welcome to the first episode of a new series. Our podcast subscribers have told us that they love the option to listen and to learn, of course, during the daily commute while they're out for a walk, taking a break with a cuppa and even doing the household chores. Apparently, we make a particularly good soundtrack for cooking and hanging out the washing. So with that in mind, we've decided to introduce another way for you to catch up with all things teacher. Teacher staff room is a chance for you to take some time out on your own or with colleagues, to reflect on some of the content we've covered here at teacher recently. We want you to join us on our learning journey by sharing your thoughts, questions and the impact on your own classroom practice. You can get in touch via Twitter, Facebook, or by posting a comment in the transcript of this podcast on our website. That's teachermagazine.com.au. Okay, on with episode one. There's been the usual smorgasbord of topics, ICT literacy, picture books and memory maps in the early years, STEM learning, parent-school relationships and student well-being, but leadership has been a strong recurring theme. In a QA and a article, experienced principal Pauline Kubat shared her insights on the role. Interestingly, she's been principal of both Victoria's smallest and largest schools, and Pauline explained to us that collaboration has been constant throughout her 30-year career. She had this to say about her personal approach to leadership. I'm very much a collaborative leader in that I want people to be able to add their ideas and contribute to our decisions. Of course, there's a difference between people actually knowing what can be done and what they would like to be done in terms of allocating money, journeys to take, approaches to implement. It's up to me to get the right people on board the bus, in the right seats for their skills and then to navigate us to the end destination. I don't ask my staff to do things that I wouldn't do, and I'll lead by example. I model the values and have high expectations of myself and others. This week, yesterday in fact, saw the release of the annual Australian Principal Occupational Health, Safety and Wellbeing Survey results. Chief Investigator, Associate Professor Philip Riley, says 2018 data show principals and assistant and deputy principals are under attack. A couple of headline figures from the report then, Um, instances of physical violence toward principals jumped from 27% in 2011 to 37% in 2018, and 53% of survey participants said they worked more than 56 hours per week during the school term. Uh, Another 24% said it was actually 61 to 65 hours per week. Our long-read article this month goes through the latest findings and recommendations, and there's also a link in there to the full report if you'd like to read more. Now, regular podcast listeners will have heard our series on school improvement. In our February episode, Rebecca Vukovic caught up with Craig Healy from the UK. He landed his first head teacher role at the beginning of the year, and he's been sharing his journey since then via Twitter. In one tweet, he mentioned he was meeting one-to-one with every single member of staff, teaching and non-teaching, Here's Craig explaining why that was a priority for him.
1: So I thought it was important that they got to know me on a one-to-one basis rather than in in a large group so that they felt more comfortable to kind of talk and ask questions. Um, But I think as well, I think it's really important that everybody at the school knows that they're part of the team and that they're all valued and that they all all play a massive role um, to ensure that, Um, Our children get the best experience when they're at school. Um, I think as leaders, you know, the school leaders, we make important decisions, we make the big decisions, but everybody else has got to play their part. And if they don't do their job, or if you know they don't feel valued and they don't feel included, then I don't think we're going to give the best deal to our children. And in terms of the one-to-one conversations, I was really keen to get the everybody's unique perspective. On what our school does well, where where we might do things differently or better, um, and and that's that's exactly what they
0: did. New head teacher Craig Healy there now it's well known that effective staff collaboration can help teachers improve their own practices and uh, ultimately of course student outcomes Manning manningreda college is a p to 12 in northern arnhem land in northern territory the 500ks to darwin is a long trip if you're looking to access external professional learning in the city in a short article this month principal daryl kinane told us how the school's developing a professional learning community this includes growing their own experts and planning in time for teachers to visit other classes and get involved in peer feedback. Still on the topic of feedback and reflection, learning leader Rachel Williams got in touch with a reader submission about a form of professional learning that she described as akin only to reading the diary I kept as a teenager, both fascinating and excruciating in equal measure. That's been teaching and watching the footage back. Don't worry though, it's not a harrowing read. Rachel explains that the diplomacy of her school's teacher consultant and the support of her colleagues made it a very positive experience. Reflecting on the process, she says this in the article. One of the most surprising outcomes of watching myself teach came from the conversations I had with students afterwards. The students laughed when I shared the nausea I felt right before the clip was shown and my horror at those first few shrieky seconds. And afterwards, my students saw me as both a teacher and a learner and know that I have teaching and learning goals that I'm working towards. It's important to me that students understand that I expect their very best effort in the classroom and that I expect no less of myself, that they and I will make mistakes, but we will work together to learn from them. Thanks to Rachel for sharing her own experience with teacher readers. If you want to do the same and submit an article, we've put together a brief guide for contributors. Scroll down to the footer on our website and click on how to get involved to access this quick guide. It's also worth having a look at the Reader Submissions section on our site. That's on the drop-down menu under Articles. Okay, enough of the housekeeping then. Back to the review. Sharing research and data is an important part of what we do here at Teacher. One of the ways we do that is through infographics. Our two topics for February were ICT Literacy of Students in Australia, spoiler alert, females continue to outperform their male counterparts, and Student Motivation in Schooling. Now, the student motivation infographic takes a look at some of the results from a UNICEF of Australia national survey uh, of secondary students. The good news is 85% of those surveyed said they were positively motivated in relation to their schooling. As to some of the motivating factors, well, 65% saw school as an opportunity to get into a unit. And 63% said they wanted to do well to make their parents proud. Almost half said they felt positively about school because of their friends. And if you're considering introducing a lunchtime activity or an after-school club, consider this stat. Extracurricular activities such as sport, music and drama represented positive motivation for 40% of the 1,001 14 to 16-year-olds who were surveyed. A reminder that you can visit our infographic archive on the teacher website and they're also available to download as PDF versions with hyperlinks from the ACER repository. Switching formats but staying with research findings, in this month's episode of our podcast series The Research Files, I caught up with Dr Joanne Files to talk about using survey data to inform student wellbeing planning, Joanne's Head of Research and Evaluation at Mission Australia. Every year, the charity carries out a national youth survey of 15 to 19-year-olds. In one of the questions, students were asked about issues of personal concern. According to the latest survey, the top three areas of personal concern are stress, number one, school or study problems, number two, and mental health came in at number three. Uh, Given that around one-third of those surveyed said they'd turn to a teacher or a school counsellor for help, I asked Joanne what educators and schools can do.
2: I think sometimes it's known the difference between what's a normal stress, you know, exams are obviously very stressful, leaving school is very stressful, and what can be more, you know, more important, what are those important concerns that young people have, what are the signs and symptoms, so for schools to teach young people around those issues, around mental health, we know that they go to their friends, making sure their friends know where to go to for help. Lots of schools are teaching mental health first aid within schools and having a mental health first aid officer within the schools and they're really important you know, for for young people to feel that they can go to those um, sources of support within schools and knowing, I think it is for their friendship groups to know where to go to for help because you know, as you quite rightly say, over 85% of them are going to their friends first, so do those friends know where to go to for help and where they can go to within the school environment.
0: That was Dr Joanne Files there from Mission Australia talking about student mental health. Student and teacher welfare is a topic that readers and listeners tell us they want more support and information on. We have four regular columnists here at Teacher. In her first column of the year this month, Julie Gillard shared details of a new national mental health initiative from Beyond Blue and that's available for free to every school and every learning service in Australia. She writes... The initiative spans mental health promotion, prevention, early intervention and also provides a critical incident response service in the event of a suicide. The BU initiative has been designed for educators at every level, from those training to become a teacher, to our most experienced principals, teachers and early learning staff. Educators have told us this is what they need, they say they needed extra help with practical tools, advice and support when children and young people were struggling. I mentioned earlier those stats from the UNICEF survey about the positive impact of extracurricular activities. Uh, This month has seen the launch of the 2019 Australian STEM video game challenge managed by the ACER Foundation. It's a great way to engage students in an authentic learning activity. Some schools choose to run it as a lunchtime or an after-school activity and some embed it into the curriculum. It's open to students in years 5 to 12 and the challenge is to design and create an original video game. Dr Grant Pusey from Churchland Senior High School in Western Australia has been teacher mentor to winning student teams for the last three years. In our article, we share how you don't need to be an expert in game development to mentor a team of students. There's a mentor handbook, there's a teacher learning pack and loads more information on the challenge website. That's stemgames.org.au. Grant tells us being a mentor is much easier than it sounds. And he says... Mentoring students through the process of the Australian STEM video game challenge offers students another perspective of who I am. I'm able to share my passion for physics, coding and games with students rather than have them just see me as just another science teacher delivering a set curriculum. Since many games incorporate concepts from science, especially physics, the links make science learning more authentic as students can see the value in what they're learning early years now and on teachers YouTube channel this month regular video contributor Greg Whitby speaks to Dale Yearsley about his approach to year two literacy at St Margaret Mary's primary Maryland's in New South Wales. Dale and his colleagues are aiming to extend students learning by using picture books that help them to apply their literacy skills across other key learning areas. Here he is explaining why this approach is also a great opportunity to model collaboration we want students to collaborate and we want them to be in partnership and extend mm-hmm. on each other's thinking so I think it needs to start with teachers through our modelling and what we do and how we collaborate. Finally at the start of the year we brought you the exciting news that two Australian educators had made the final fifty of the one million dollar global teacher prize. Peter Guria jones from the Hill School in Parramatta and Yasodai Selvakumaran from Rooter Hill High School. Last week it was announced that Yasodai has made the final ten in one of our long reads this month, we interviewed her about her work in the classroom as a humanities teacher and her work with colleagues in the school exec in helping to drive professional learning. Yasa Dai is a Tamil Sri Lankan-born Australian, she and her family fled persecution in Sri Lanka. She says she sees the Global Teacher Prize nomination as an opportunity to represent all teachers and hopes her success can demonstrate to Ruta Hill students that they can achieve anything despite their circumstances. She told us... As a staff and as a community, we're always promoting the message that it doesn't matter where you come from. It's what you've come to achieve. We're a high equity school because we do have such a diverse range of needs and 30% of our students do experience significant disadvantage in their lives and being able to work with that range of backgrounds is what makes it really rich as well. Congratulations to Yasadi on making the top 10 and best of luck to her and all the finalists. Before I go, quick heads up for a cracker of a podcast we've got coming up in March. I'll be speaking to Dylan William about effective questioning techniques in the classroom. Make sure you don't miss it by subscribing to our podcast channels on iTunes and SoundCloud, or if you want to get content delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for our email bulletin. Again, you can find all the links in the transcript for this podcast.